Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the USA Today Network, welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. And welcome back to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson, and the 2022 Rutgers football season ends with an ugly 37 to nothing loss to Maryland. The Scarlet Knights finished the season Four and eight. They win three in a row to start the year, and then they go one and eight the rest of the way. Only one Big Ten win. They lose five in a row to end the season. Uh, a lot of Rutgers fans very unhappy, very disappointed. Uh, the coaches will go back to the drawing board. Uh, we'll see what players are here and what players are not here come next year. We'll get all into that on this episode. We'll take a look at the quarterback position, offensive coordinator, and beyond. But as we wrap up 2022, Chris. Just your reactions to this season and, and really how it all came to an end. Yeah, well, how it, how it all came to an end was about as disappointing. Um, and I'm assuming if you're a fan, as frustrating. And I'm assuming if you're in the program, as maddening uh, a game as there could possibly be. Um, it was an opportunity, as we spoke about on last week's show, to go down to Maryland, you know, try and get a win to, to kind of end the season on a high note against a team that, it's not Ohio State, not Michigan. I should say Michigan first now, given the way that they're controlling that rivalry. But not Michigan. It's not Ohio State. It's not Penn State. It's not one of these upper upper echelon teams. It was a beatable team. They didn't have a – you know, Maryland's defense is fine. It's not great. It's, it's one of the lowest ranked in the Big Ten. This seemed like a good opportunity. You know, they were coming off a very um, – you know – Obviously, that that loss to Ohio State that they had the week before, you know, they were already bowl bound. You thought maybe you could kind of catch them off guard a little bit. That did not happen. Uh, the act, the, you know, the exact opposite happened. You know, to go down and lose thirty-seven to nothing, there was really no positives, you know, for Rutgers in that game. Uh, it was again, it, it was just, it, it was, it was shocking, given how much of an opportunity there was for them to go down and lose that way. It really was. And it, and in so many ways, it sort of encapsulated what this season has been all about. And I get it. There have been a lot of injuries, um, but the players that Rutgers had available in the Big Ten season to grind, I get that. But still, that was a big opportunity. And, and uh, failing to take advantage does not really sum that up properly. Yeah, and, and, you know, in the aftermath, there's been a lot of anger among the fan base with how the season finished. And listen, I, it's hard to blame them. I mean, they were promised more than this year three. They were they were promised better in November than September, and that none of that happened. And, and I think it's the way that it all imploded 
you know, people were thinking, oh, you know, where can we steal a win or two down the stretch and be bowl eligible? You couldn't steal any wins. Even the games that were there for the taking, you had an offense that was just so inept, you couldn't take advantage of those chances. So I think that's what really left a bad impression in everyone's mouth is how how badly this thing spiraled out of control. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Four and eight is not the problem. It's not the problem. That is not the issue with the season. This was a four and eight season. Had It had it written all over it coming into the year. There are young and experienced guys moving into new roles. They're still in a rebuild. Four and eight is not the problem. The problem is the way that they went four and eight. Losing games that they should have won. The continuous mistakes, the penalties, 14 against Michigan State, another game that was winnable. I, I think, you know, most people looked at that game as winnable. 14 penalties. I mean, just no offensive identity all season long. Just things that were happening. And, and again, it's just losing games that – they really had a chance to win and not just losing, but, you know, I, I did this last week, so I don't really want to, you know, have to do it again. But I mean, 31 nothing to Minnesota getting blown out by, uh, you know, Michigan, Michigan and, and Penn State games that this season you wanted to see them not necessarily win because that was probably not going to happen. But just be competitive, push those teams and then try and beat the teams that are beatable. And that didn't happen. And I think that's why this four and eight is so disappointing more so than the record itself, because that was always kind of, in, to me, that was that was expected. Yeah, and I think as you look at the season as a whole, it was a clearly a step back. And, you know, I mean, you can blame it on a lot of things, but, you know, I, I, I think that the failure to close the gap on the on the Big Ten elites, you know, that was a problem. Um, and, and, I, and I just think that the way this team performed – uh, in, in some of those close games and the, the, the inability to show really any progress in a number of really key areas, you know, I, I just think it's, it's, uh, it really sets a, uh, up for an incredibly important offseason. And the Absolutely. defense was the one area where it, they did show improvement, but, you know, towards the end of the season, I think that they kind of got worn down a bit. And also, uh, who can blame that unit when they're constantly on the field? Because the offense can't stay on it. So, that's going to happen. Sorry. Yeah, there was no, there was two different four and eights really that this team could have went. And, you know, it's, it sounds silly, but for a team in a rebuild, there's such a thing as a positive four and eight where, you know, you do Absolutely. see some, where you see these, you know, they're, they're at least competitive. And I think fans are just so sick of the blowouts. It's embarrassing to, to try to support this team and, and to expect to, to spend your money to go see this team play when you don't want to sit there on your Saturday afternoon and watch them lose by 40. And again, like Chris said, this was a 37-point loss to Maryland. Maryland's going to a bowl. They're 7-5. and five. Good for them. It's Maryland. This is a team that you can't lose 37 to nothing to. And I don't care if you're not playing for anything. You are playing for something. You're playing for next year. And that's the thing that we've talked about all season on this podcast. We didn't think Rutgers was going to go undefeated. And we didn't think they were going to go to a bowl. But you wanted to see a positive 4-8. and eight. You wanted to see them maybe win a game they weren't supposed to or at least be competitive in some of these games. This was the opposite. This was an ugly 4-8. and eight. This was a very frustrating 4-8 and eight where they got embarrassed almost every week. And the games that they did have a chance to win, they, they shoot themselves in the foot nonstop. And, I mean, you look at the wins they had. They had three wins at a conference. They beat two three and 3-9 teams, and their one Big Ten win was against a 4-8 and eight team. So you're beating other teams that are in the same situation as you, and you're not competing with teams that are, in reality, slightly ahead of you. A team like Maryland, 
who isn't that much better than Rutgers? And they're going bowling. They're seven and five, and they just beat Rutgers by 37. So it's a very frustrating end to this season. I think we titled the last episode as, you know, can Rutgers end the season on a high note? Uh, resounding no. And now there's a lot of questions as we head into the offseason. And question number one starts at the quarterback position. And of course, it's been a topic all season. We've seen kind of the musical chairs at quarterback until the last few games when Gavin Wimsett was given the the, the keys to the car. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of car it is. I won't insult any car makers, but it's certainly not a Porsche at this at this moment in time. But now there's a question with as the transfer portal opens up, as recruits start to pick their colleges, we have a little bit of news for the quarterback position at Rutgers. But Chris, when you look at the most important position, especially when it comes to a rebuild, what do you make of the quarterback for the Scarlet Knights? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Ryan. And I think, uh, you know, at this point, you know, sitting here on what is today, November 30th, I guess, you know, we probably thought that we'd have more of an answer to that question, and we really don't. Um, listen, I, I've given Gavin Wimsett the benefit of the doubt throughout this year, uh, you know, because he has just turned 19, because he is a freshman uh, playing, you know, extensively for the first time, starting for the first time consistently it's hard to be a quarterback in the big 10. It just is. And, and you saw that, I mean, he's going against, you know, very good defenses, defensive coordinators in this conference are elite. They're doing everything that they can to confuse him, to throw him off guard. I mean, it's just, it's very, very difficult, especially when he has an offensive line that really didn't protect him very well. The receivers were inconsistent. I mean, the amount of drops, it was just, jaw dropping at times. I mean, how they couldn't, I mean, Rutgers receivers need to work on receiving the football. I mean, that's like, that's a key of the off season. It just wasn't, it wasn't consistent enough. So you add all those factors in and it was very, very difficult. And at the same time though, there are things that I, that he probably should have been better at, you know, I mean, some in the inaccuracy issues, um, there were throws that he should have been able to make that he just, you know, they would sail high or, you know, that the decision-making at times was, was also not what it could have been or what it maybe what it should have been, I should say. So there are definitely areas where he has to improve. This is a critical off season uh, for Gavin Wimsett to improve. Cause at this point, and we'll talk about this, you know, in a bit, but you know, they did bring in another quarterback and then Johnny Shepard for the 2023 class, but Gavin Wimsett, as we sit here right now, he is still considered the quarterback of the future. There's a lot of steps that he has to take. Yeah, this is that is the single most important thing I, I would say of the offseason is the development of Gavin Wimsett and Greg Shiano and his staff. You know, they have got to get this right. You know, he he is the guy they have brought in here to to be the quarterback of the future. And you can say, well, uh, maybe maybe they can get a, a more experienced quarterback in here to if he has to, to be the quarterback or to at least push him or be a experienced backup, but who are you going to get to come here? You know, with Gavin Wimsett there, you know, they understand that he is, they want him to be the quarterback of the future. So, you know, I, I, I think you have to develop Wimsett and it has to be this off season. You have to see some really big strides from him. Yeah. And I, after the Maryland game, I asked, you know, Greg Schiano what he thought of, you know, what he saw from kind of the totality of, of Gavin's season. And he said, it really wasn't the best time for him to make that, assessment, which is fair. I, I get that. It was just after a game. He wants more time. That's fine. But he said, you know, the process of developing for a quarterback is, is exceptionally hard. And he said that it's easier when you have a surrounding cast that's really talented and we have a bunch of guys that are figuring it out. And that's what he said in his words. So, you know, it, it's it's a problem. And, and as you said, Steve, that, that is one of the biggest priorities that 
Rutgers has to undertake this offseason. Of course, who the quarterback coach is going to be is another question. Yeah, and that's number two on this to-do list because, no, you know, as, as Steve just we'll said, you know, it takes Greg Schiano and his staff to develop the quarterback. Who's that staff going to be? We know Rutgers made a change in the middle of the season at offensive coordinator. They have the interim coordinator in there now, Nunzio Campanelli. I don't know if he retains that title. Uh, I guess, as Greg Schiano said in his press conference, he takes a look at everything at the end of the season. Here's what he had to say about offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rush it. Just like when I took the job initially, um, I have to examine everything. Like I said, so literally, guys, that's a. I know people think that's maybe a stall or something, but that's literally what I do, and it starts with me. So it's a tough night and day, and we're gonna get home. It's gonna be. Pretty early. I have a whole bus ride, and uh, then I get home tonight, and I'm going to start the process as soon as we get home. So when you look at now offensive coordinator, and it's so important because, as we said, you have a young quarterback in place. You have another young quarterback joining the program. It is the most important position of the team. It's so important to get this hire right. And you can't sacrifice another year of development, another year of just kind of spinning the wheels in place and not taking a step forward. It's so important to get this right. And you'll look on Twitter and, you know, the fans, wishful thinking, they want to go steal a, you know, position coach from the SEC. I'm not sure if that happens. I'm not sure what type of money Rutgers wants to throw it at a coordinator position. I'm not sure who wants to come to Rutgers. Of course, it's a power five school in, uh, in the Big Ten with a young quarterback that you're able to coach. Uh, you know, do they go big school? Do they go one of the maybe smaller schools and allow someone to take a step up? Do they hire internally? I guess we'll find out. But when you look at this offensive coordinator role now, Chris, what do you think would be best for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights? Well, there's no doubt, you know, and you said it right, Greg Schiano has to nail this hire, you know, because this is really going to determine a lot about the future of this program and whether or not this rebuild can actually take place. They have to find the right guy. I don't know, you know, again, we – as Shiana said, he's not going to rush it. We haven't heard anything as we sit here right now to know, you know, what he's, what he's, you know, thinking about, um, you know, how he's going to handle the Nunzio Campanelli situation or, you know, I'm sure Greg has a short list in his mind of candidates that he's already been thinking about, you know, is, is looking into. Um, but again, it, it just, it has to be, it has to be someone that they can bring in who is going to turn this offense and we, you know, Greg Schiano, obviously, his teams have always played offense kind of similar styles, right? I mean, you know, but there has to be somebody who can be creative, um, you know, who can kind of have the ability to, to kind of do what he wants to do and make this offense something that looks more like college football in 2022 as much as he can under, you know, what what Schiano wants to run. So it, it's definitely it's an important hire. And, and you know, so, sooner the better, there's no doubt. But, you know, as he said, he's not going to rush it. Yeah, and I, I think this – this hire may well define his whole tenure here. You know, as Chris said, you have to get this right, you know, and, and really by not getting it right this season, I mean, look, look at the games they could have won if they just had even a competent offense. You know, you, you certainly could have won the Nebraska game, the Michigan State game, um, but you didn't. You didn't have the right pieces in place. And, and I think it's going to have to start with the coordinator and again, he, he did well on the defensive coordinator last year. He's got to hit another home run here. Yeah, and I mean, you have these two quarterbacks, like we said, and, and it goes beyond the quarterbacks because you do have the pieces in place in, in terms of skill position players, some guys that were big recruits. You'll get more guys in through the portal or whatever it might be. It's so important now when you look at this position, Chris, 
that it's like Steve said, it might define Greg Schiano's second term here. And, you know, as you said, you want it sooner rather than later, because as we've seen on this podcast, there's really no off season and you'll have new guys come in soon. And before you know it, it's spring and we're practicing and you're getting the new offense in place. And that 2023 schedule, I mean, these teams, they're not going anywhere. They're still playing Michigan. They have Wisconsin, Michigan State next year, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State. It's it's sink or swim, and, it, and now's the time to make that move and to get this offense in place. Yeah, no doubt. And listen, I mean, at the same time, you know, the coordinator has to work with whatever talent and personnel he's given, and that's an area that Rutgers and Greg Shannon have to address considerably. You know, they're going to be hit hard at wide receiver, and quite frankly, that position group needs to be upgraded anyway in some ways. Um, you know, they need some offensive linemen through the portal, tight end. I mean, these are positions that Rutgers really needs on offense. And so, yeah, the coordinators, obviously, it's, you know, the most important, but they have to get him the right talent to surround Gavin Wimsett with if, if, you know, this thing is going to be successful. And then the third element, of course, to any offseason is, is who's back and who's going to be new to the program. Uh, Greg Shiano was asked about that. Here's what he had to say about returning players for next year. I was looking at it on the bus ride down. I think we have 45 players that have two years of eligibility or more that have played in Big Ten games. So, you know, we're bringing back a group that has been in games in the Big Ten, and now we can use that as a springboard for the whole offseason. And how much improvement we make in this offseason will determine what, what we are next year. But we certainly have a lot of guys that have done it. You know, it's different when you're talking to them about it and they've never done it. So it's just kind of conceptual. Once they've been in it, whether it went well or didn't go well, they know exactly what it is that it's like and how, how hard it is. So that part of me, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited to to get right into doing this examination and, and get going on the program. And this, this is a you know, different era in college football too. So we'll, we'll see what all goes down. And it's a lot of moving parts right now. And especially, you know, minutes after a really tough loss. But like I said, I've done it before. We got we to gotta hit the drawing board. Audio there from Rutgers. And I guess you could argue there's two types of experience. Short being out there on the field and playing a Big Ten schedule. That counts for something. You get used to the speed of the game. You get an idea of some of the the complex schemes that these teams throw at you. Whether or not that experience led to growth, uh, that's something that, of course, we would probably all mostly disagree with. Uh, you know, if you want to go on an individual basis, sure, we saw some players take a step forward, but just you know that experience and now the modern college football game, where you still have the traditional recruits coming to your program. And also the the craziness that is the transfer portal. When you look to 2023, Chris, what do you think needs to be done in terms of players for this team? Well, obviously, the, you know, the big key is keeping the players who really did show something this year out of the portal. You know, obviously, I mean, in, in limited opportunities before he got hurt, Sam Brown, you know, the freshman running back, he looked like a guy that they can really, you know, he who can kind of be at the center of this rebuild, you know, offensively, um, you know, on defense, you know, uh, guys like Aaron Lewis and, um, Tyreen Powell, uh, Wesley Bailey, um, you know, Robert Longerbeam, all these guys really, you know, Keontae Hamilton, um, these guys really did show something, you know, uh, and you, you have to keep those guys out of the portal. It's not easy, you know, obviously. And Shiano has said that, you know, he does feel like they have a good culture, that they really show that they care for the players. But, you know, he said he also, you know, if, if a player has an opportunity to go make some money elsewhere, it's, you know, you can't always fault them if they take that opportunity. 
Um, you know, and he said, you don't have to, you know, I think it was last, the last kind of the game preview uh, press conference, you know, going to the Maryland game, he said, he's not sure if he, they have to match him dollar for dollar. And he said, it's, it's like weird to say in a college press conference, but that's just the state of college football right now. So, I mean, that's, that's the big key um, is keeping the best players out of the portal, you know, making sure that they come back. And then, you know, you look to, as I mentioned earlier, the upgrades, you need to upgrade a wide receiver, offensive line you need to fight a tight end those are the biggest keys you know and i think it's obviously always a double-edged sword when you're using the transfer portal and and ruckers needs to use it they need to be aggressive they need to try and fill some of these spots um but you know as you're cycling players through the program you got to bring in the right players you know because you have to worry about things like continuity and chemistry and stuff like that in your locker room so again you have to choose wisely, but Rutgers absolutely needs to, to be aggressive in the, in the transfer portal. And the tough thing about the portal, too, is you still have to recruit them. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they think of like the portal as waivers. Like you just go make a claim and, you, you know, the guy comes. I mean, that's not that's not the way it works. Obviously, you have to recruit them. And it's, you know, it's not easy right now when you look at Rutgers did this season to say, hey, this is great now. I mean, they could offer more playing time. You know, there's no doubt, but if they're looking for more playing time, why were they not playing at the previous or the previous uh, school? So, you know, those are all things to factor into it. But you can find, you know, talented players who maybe something just wasn't working out at the other school or, you know, they got homesick and maybe they're a little bit younger or an older guy who wants to come play you know, close to home for a final year of eligibility. So you can find those guys, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. You know, it, it takes some time and you have to recruit them well. And we mentioned too, Chris, just quickly at the the top of the show, a uh, quarterback joining this program, a recruit coming in, I guess the traditional way, I guess you could say, uh, joining the program next year. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So that was obviously, that was a big area of need too, because as of things stood, you know, right after the season, Rutgers had, was projected to have two scholarship ro- uh, quarterbacks on the roster and Gavin Wimsett and Evan Simon, obviously Noah Vegel is graduating. He's out, out of eligibility. So you can't go into a season with just two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. We saw this year what happens when your top two quarterbacks get hurt. It's not good. So they needed another guy on there. So they uh, got a commitment from uh, Johnny Shepard from Iona Prep up in Westchester County. Really talented quarterback, dual threat. Um, During his time in high school, he threw for 4,700 yards, um, 43 touchdowns. He rushed for 2,400 yards and 30 TDs and crossed his time at at Iona Prep. He's a dual threat, uh, accurate. You know, he's got a strong arm. Um, he's raw, so there's definitely he's another guy that's going to have to be developed. But again, he's you know as I said, I, Gavin Wimsett right now as we sit here is still considered the quarterback of the future, but they need a depth there. Um, Shepard I think will come in and and you know from what I've heard he's he's a very good worker. He understands the situation, but he's embracing the opportunity to here to you know come to Rutgers and and you know compete for the job. So or at least show that he deserves a job. So you know that happened right away. It's hard to say, but he's getting a big opportunity. He was previously committed to Old Dominion before flipping to Rutgers. So he's getting a big chance to come in and be a, a Big Ten quarterback, um, you know, and then we'll see how he develops. But, you know, certainly they, they needed another quarterback and, you know, they got one in the class of 2023. And from what I understand, he'll be signing uh, on the early signing period on December 21st. Certainly something we'll keep an eye on as well as other recruits joining the program. So to recap, solidify the quarterback position. Slam dunk hire at offensive coordinator. Keep all of your good players, and then bring more good players. That's it. It's not complicated. Yeah. Do that, everything will be fine. 
We'll see you at the Rose Bowl next year. Easier said than done. Uh, that's going to wrap up our regular season for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening all season long. Uh, now to get to our to-do list, because the regular season's over, but we will have more episodes coming your way. As of right now, we plan to bring you one on the 20th to talk more about recruiting and signing day. We'll have another one coming in the new year just to recap all of the new players joining the program best way to stay in touch with us and to make sure you don't miss those episodes is to subscribe. You'll get the notification when the new episodes drop. But as of now, as I said, look out for new episodes on the 20th and in the new year. Also, as we've been promoting all year, Chris and Steve, they're working hard on app.com and northjersey.com. And we have a Rutgers off-season tracker that was just posted all of the late breaking news plus deep dive analysis and everything from the transfer portal to coaching moves to recruiting it will be updated throughout the entire off season that is for subscribers whether you subscribe to app.com northjersey.com mycentraljersey.com it is all there for you so if you're a Rutgers fan and you want to get your fix in the off season be sure to look out for that Rutgers tracker also a little cross promotion if you like basketball the three of us will be back along with Jerry Carino starting December 5th for Jersey Jump Shot, covering college basketball in the Garden State. Rutgers, Seton Hall, Princeton, Monmouth, whoever's worth talking about this year, we'll get all of them in there, so be sure to look out for that. And again, thank you so much for listening to The Chop all season long. Be on the lookout for those new episodes. Follow that off-season tracker. And before you know it, it'll be football season again. For Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson, I'm Ryan Ross. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.